wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful uh, city of Adelaide. Uh, It's a real privilege uh, to be able to share uh, with each one of you. Uh, This week and next week, uh, we're looking at the Bible, the church and the environment. Uh, We want to give a biblical understanding of this subject. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Will, uh, they looked at the subject, whose responsibility is the environment? Today, uh, myself and uh, Eric uh, are talking about the subject, what does the Bible mean, subdue the earth? That's a question that comes up just so often. Uh, Tomorrow, what does the Bible say about natural disasters? Now, hey, that's a really important one. Uh, Then we ask, uh, could vegetarianism benefit the environment next week? We look at even more relevant questions. We're following the same theme again next week. Is there danger in worshipping the creation rather than the creator? Now, there is a really big one. That's such an important issue uh, that we need to talk about because that is what gives the Christian the biblical dynamic uh, to biblical understanding of the environment. And then, of course, there's the question, why won't green political solutions work? That one is a really big one. It's really important that you hear uh, that particular subject and that's going to be occurring next uh, next week. I believe we're in for an exciting uh, two two weeks. Now of course today our co-host is uh, is Eric Hall. Now Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church and uh, w- Eric uh, welcome again. Thank you Gary. Another beautiful day but tell me did the hail hit your place? Uh, I tell you what, no no, I actually had some hail but it was nice small hail. In fact my car was sitting outside so I I was praying like crazy that uh, um, that my car wouldn't be damaged, and we only had light hail, so I was really, really blessed uh, by that. But I understand it knocked you around a little bit. It did. I live uh, fairly close to the Edinburgh airbase, and apparently the cars out there, about 20 of them, all had to just about be written off. Wow. By the amount of uh, hail that hit their car. And so you had some damage? Yes, yes. It went through our, our, our light uh, roofing in our patio, uh, the plastic roofing. It's, it put holes in that. Uh, you look up there now, you can see the stars. And also in the, in the plastic cafe blinds, it actually uh, went through, made holes in that. And then the wind came up later on and actually blew the whole thing apart. Wow. So, um, yes, yeah, so we've been on to our insurance, which covers some of that. But you've got to wait. They said we've had thousands of calls, thousands of calls. So. Wow. It was pretty dramatic, and and the size of the hail I put, looked at it was pretty pretty. Heavy. In fact, when it hit, it sounded like it was almost like soldiers marching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly wouldn't want to uh, want to uh, want to be standing outside in some of that hail. I know I went up to my um, my son's place up in the Adelaide Hills, and they'd certainly been knocked around as well. And uh, uh, their pergola in the in the front, and also at the, out the back, the veranda out the back, uh, also has got holes littered right right through it. So they've also got a uh, got an insurance claim happening. And did uh, you have somebody knock at your door asking for lollies? Uh, <laughs> Eric, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Halloween. Look, tell me, what do you make of Halloween? Well, quite honestly, Gary, I just can't believe it. How, how as parents and, and elderly people that we dress up children um, with witches' hats on, 
um, with this ghoulish, in fact, I was in um, Kmart, and the stuff they were selling there where they had these masks on like monsters with blood coming down the chins and things. And I saw on the news one little fella had, um, it, like his head was cut off, it was like blood at the top, he was yeah. under a cloak. Yeah. Uh, to actually do that, uh, to me, is really strange. Like, they, they think it's fun and, and the kids go out and get lollies and things, but what is it actually showing to the children, you know? Um, yeah. And what's behind it all? That's what I say. In fact, one news program I heard said, you know, why do we dedicate a, a day a week almost to the devil with ghoulish things yeah. out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So as parents, we have responsibility responsibility you know um with a lot of the stuff I, i'm i'm disturbed by it really yeah 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 i i think you make a, a very very good point there eric because um certainly the the history and anybody who's gone back and just had a look at the the history behind uh, halloween uh, has to has to say this is a total affront uh to all that christianity does actually stand for and uh, to me as i look at that uh, i say hey look you know this is something that uh certainly uh, i encourage people People whenever possible to say, hey, look, you know, be consider carefully what young people actually become involved in, you know, while you've actually got uh, some authority over uh, your young people. And I, I actually talked to, uh, I've done a number of programs these uh, uh, recently on the whole subject of uh, video gaming because I'm really conscious that there are similar themes, uh, certainly in the whole video game uh, type, uh, uh, type area as well. And that is starting to impact the minds of uh, certainly a lot of, a lot of young people. And I, I think the two are very closely related and it's so important I've actually said to parents hey look do you understand uh, what it is that's actually being said and taught in this uh, in this video gaming and uh also uh, in the whole Halloween type uh, uh, type system. Well, it's a, a subtle way, isn't it, of affecting children's minds because this yeah. is what we're talking about here, young, impressionable minds. You know, even Harry Potter with um, the magic, which is drawings, the, you know, the books and the movies draw so many people, even within um, you know, some of the churches that I know, people really get involved with all that. Yeah. But when you look at it and what the Bible says about uh, ghosts and, you know, like uh, the witches and things, there is great warnings there to stay away from that stuff. Stuff, you know, maybe I'm getting old and grumpy, Gary, but this is the way. No, no, no. I, 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 I think, Eric, it. you're making an excellent point because uh, I think more and more in the times in which we're actually living, we're actually being called by by God to become biblically authentic, which means that we need to come as close to the Word as we possibly can. Because certainly our secular society right now is impacting our world, our minds, and our lives uh, to such an extent that unless we actually draw some lines and say, "Hey," Look, you know uh, that is you know that is something that I am not going to become involved in. Then we will simply become involved in everything. Uh, yeah. And to me, the biblical spot mm. is actually the best spot to be. And even the, it seems to me as though the media is increasingly bringing this uh, stuff up uh, with these programs that promote the things we're talking about tonight. Yeah, yeah. and that's the problem when um, the word's trying to get through, but we have all this happening on the other side. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Eric, look, let's come to an article. I pulled this off the, uh, uh, I love the, the Christian Headlines uh, site because it does actually just share just a, a brief synopsis of what I've actually 
going on around the uh, uh, around the country. I have actually subscribed to this particular site because I think it's just so so valuable. Uh, but this particular uh, article that I, I picked up was uh, you need to slow down. Now I was really interested, Eric. You came in today and I said, "How is your day going?" And your immediate response was exactly how this article starts. I love it. Uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, this is what the article says. Ask the typical Christian how they are doing, and you'll hear some variation on the answer. I'm so busy. Now that was exactly how you responded when I asked you how you were going when you when you came in here. Uh, uh, whether you're actually that busy is another story for is a story for another day. But when we believe that we are really busy, we develop a scarcity uh, mindset about our time. Everything that we know, uh, we should do. Uh, we tell ourselves that we cannot find the time to do what we need to do. Each of us needs to look at ways where we can slow our lives down. We should find one activity to cut out and to learn to use the word no more often in the future. No person can say yes to every good opportunity and eventually the brutal place of life wears us down because it robs us of the time we need for the most important things in life. We need slower lives so we can spend more time connecting with God. I hear too often from followers of Jesus that they are too busy to read their Bible, are too busy to pray. Aside from the obvious fact that this is never uh, really true, uh, the problem is that we feel like we are too busy to do the things that really do matter. Uh, we run from the moment uh, that we get up until close at bedtime. The times that we are uh, the times that we are not moving, we're filling our minds with distraction. The result is that we feel busy, and it makes us seem like we can't spare time for God's word and prayer. We need to have a moment of honesty with ourselves. If you're too busy to do the basic things that God called you to do, then you are simply too busy. God is never going to call you to do so much that you neglect your walk with him. He's not going to ask you to commit to so many things that you do not have time to hear his word. Could I challenge you to do something that will show you that you have more time than you think you do? Check your screen time. I bet uh, that if you looked at your screen time, uh, you'd find that you have more than enough time to spend in God's Word. You may not be able to do it all at the one time, but you probably have plenty of time in gaps in your day that you could fill with quick checks. Uh, if you uh, read the Bible for 12 minutes a day, you could read the entire Bible in a year. If you read the New Testament for 12 minutes a day, you could cover it four times in a year. Minutes add up to hours very quickly. Christians would also benefit more by slowing down so we have more time for our neighbours. We're called by Jesus to love our neighbours as ourselves and it's difficult to obey this command when we're too busy for our neighbours. Look for ways to spend more time on the front porch, more time in the yard, more time in the neighbourhood. This provides us with opportunities to get to know our neighbours so that we can know how that we can love them, how we can serve them, how we can pray for them. We don't do this when we run all day, pull into the garage and walk straight into the house. Eric, tell me, 
does the article have a point? It sure does. There's some really good advice in here, actually. I, uh, I think when I think back in my life, I think that time has sped up, seems to have sped up, even from when I was a teenager. Um, I mean, all we had was the radio way back then. Yeah. And you'd listen to the radio, you'd listen to a program, and that was it. You're outdoor, alpha outdoors, and you had time on your hands, basically. Yeah. But now, then came the TV, of course, and then the phone, and then Facebook, and all the other media. So we're swamped now by things that actually take up our time. Yeah. And so it's important to have an, a, a, a time in your life, a time each day, when you actually devote it to God. I know that you go walking in the morning, I go mm. for a run, and then have devotional time. And I think that's so important. It kind of slows you down a bit. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, and I think that the pressure of everyday life, I was just talking to an Aboriginal lady today, and um, <clears throat> she was she hadn't been along for a couple of weeks. She's coming to Bible study tomorrow, and I, she's got six children to look after by herself. And she says, I just... I'm just so flat out. I just need a break. And I said, look, what can we do to help? And, you know, would you like the ladies in our group to come over to to take the children's off your hand for a while? And she said, no, the best thing would actually be if they could just come around for a chat and slow me down a bit and just have a bit of quiet time together. And I said, we can, we can do that, you know. How significant is that? Simple that is, isn't it? How significant, you know, a little while ago, well, some years ago now, I I had opportunity to go and do a a mission program, uh, in uh, an outreach program in Mongolia, in, uh, in central Mongolia, travel through China on the a trans sub, um, trans uh, Mongolian railway into Yulin Batur, and uh, I found that one of the great privileges uh, of my life. But you know, one of the things that absolutely amazed me there uh, was that the accommodation. We actually stayed with uh, with the local people, and uh, this was in a, a multi-story uh, apartment. Uh, there was a team of us that stayed there. But uh, the thing that amazed me that unlike Australia, the power isn't twenty four seven. It comes and goes. According to the uh, the will of whoever uh, flicks the flicks the switch, and so five or six times a day, the power would actually go off. Now in Australia, if the power goes off for twenty minutes, there's uh, there's hell to pay. There's you complaints know? everywhere. There's complaints everywhere. But here, the I was I was you know I, I well remember it, uh, and I actually called my my team to uh, to come and watch what was taking place. I will remember around dinner time one day. It would have been uh, just before before sundown. Uh, that was a lovely temperature at the at the time. Uh, the power went off, and the response of the people was to come out of their building. They went down onto the in, into the courtyard, and they all just sat there and talked. And uh, to me, as I saw this, I thought this is absolutely. And nobody was complaining. Everybody was just chatting. About uh, twenty five minutes later, the power came back on again, uh, and so they all bid farewell to each other and went back to. And each time the power went off, the people simply came out, had a chat to each other. Oh, I was staggered, you know, because it became relational time. Do you know, Eric? Just um, just in the last few weeks, I, I tried a little bit of an experiment uh, on, you know, with myself, and uh, I. I decided I was going to actually leave my mobile phone at home. You know, one of the things I'm really conscious of is I've started to become a slave of my mobile phone. Now, I, I, I grew up, I'm in my 60s now, which meant I grew up most of my life without a mobile phone. And life has, life has become more and more hectic because people can contact me whenever they want me. And uh, to me, I, I, I've started to realise that this is actually a problem for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, when you sit down, you're a doctor's surgery, uh, the temptation is to pull your phone out and you go straight onto the internet and you're, uh, you're searching something on the internet, you're having screen time. Uh, 
I tried a couple of days and uh, uh, I realised that this was going to be much harder than what I realised. But, you know, now after about uh, about three weeks I've been doing this, my phone right now is not with me here in the studio. My phone is actually sitting on my desk in my home at home. And uh, uh, when I go home, I'll have a look at the messages and see if anyone has tried to contact me. And people will have tried to contact me uh, and I can make contact back. But, you know, Eric, one of the beautiful things I'm discovering is that it's actually giving me the the freedom that I actually had uh, in a pre uh, smartphone days. Mm. Uh, to me, you know, I, I, I'm really enjoying this and more and more. In fact, I've, I've gone to actually wearing a watch now because one of the things I discovered I used to do was uh, I used to wear a watch all the time, but, uh, uh, now I'd pull out my phone, have a look at the time and it would become my watch. Well, now I've gone back to wearing my watch again simply because, hey, um, I don't have my phone on me any longer. Uh, to me, to me, Eric, this is bringing a wonderful sense of of relief because I don't need to be on call to everybody twenty four seven. You know, I'm allowed to to think. I'm allowed to pray. I'm allowed to relax when I'm sitting in a doctor's surgery. What a wonderful blessing this actually is. Yeah, well, if you'd see me, Gary, when I go into a shop or go into Bunnings or something, you'll see me do a ritual every time I come out. I'm looking for my wallet. My phone, my glasses, have I yeah. left them behind, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we get so used to that, you know. I, when I was on a cruise one time, you know, you couldn't be contactable by phone. And I tell you, it took me a few days, like you, to sort of It does wind take, down. when you don't have your phone on you, you're it's, tapping your pockets, it's a, there is actually a withdrawal that takes place. But, you know, to me, I've discovered it takes about three or four days. Mm. Uh, and the withdrawals uh, quickly pass and you start to enjoy <laughs> life, a life big times. But, Eric, look, let's come to some, some music. Sure. Uh, really, uh, really appreciate uh, our discussion today. Uh, let's come to this is the, the Petersons, a lovely, lovely song. I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. I just Skies may 
was the Petersons, I know, who holds tomorrow. What a wonderful thought uh, that is. And indeed, I do know. And, you know, in the world of, uh, uh, of destruction on every hand, uh, we, uh, we know who can hold tomorrow. Oh, that's, uh, that's a beautiful prayer. Now, guys, look, we do have for you a, a free gift, a free giveaway today. Uh, the book uh, that we're giving away today, and in fact, all of this week, is the book uh, A Hope uh, When the World Falls Apart. And uh, this is talking about Daniel and Revelation's message of hope. And uh, and this was uh, uh, this is written by uh, Russell Burrell. Now, Russell uh, has taught at tertiary level for many years, but this is a very simple book. You'll really appreciate this particular particular book. Daily stress, economic woes, uh, world and national crises. Daniel and his friends grew up amongst the privileged of the land, secure in their wealth, their education and in their bloodline. A bright political future lay ahead as Daniel was born to lead. But with a sudden attack and a turn of events, he found himself squarely in the middle of a conflict that nobody uh, wanted. He was terrorised. He was held hostage. He was alone in a strange new world. His hope for the future had all but fallen apart. But somehow, somehow, he managed not only to survive, but to actually flourish. And he received some of the most powerful prophecies ever revealed to man. His story is one that uh, I believe really speaks to our day and age. Now, look, this book is entitled Hope uh, When Your World Falls Apart and uh, written by Russell Burrell. Now, look, if you'd like your own copy of uh, this particular book, uh, what you need to do is just text us uh, at here at our Adelaide studio, and that number is 04888. 80811. That number again is, uh, 04 80811. And your text message only needs to say SA23. No gap between, uh, the SA and the 23. SA for South Australia 23. And, uh, uh, as soon as you send that to us, uh, our good friend, the robot, uh, robot, he's actually got a name now. His name's Faithful. Uh, so if you want to say hello to, uh, to Faithful, uh, Faithful will contact you. If you text him SA23, no gap between any of those letters, uh, and Faithful will, uh, will contact you. He's a friendly robot. He'll ask you for a few details and, uh, then he'll get the book to you in the fastest, uh, possible manner. Uh, so we'd love to be able to give you, uh, that book, Hope When the World Falls Apart. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now this week, uh, in fact next week as well, we're looking at uh, the Bible, the church and the environment. Now that's our uh, theme for the whole two weeks. And what we're picking up on here uh, is of course COP26 or the United Nations Environmental Conference uh, that's occurring in Glasgow and what we would like to do is to give a biblical perspective on the environment uh, this week uh, uh, we're going to be commencing uh, by a talking a talking about uh, the Bible and the environment. Yesterday we looked at whose responsibility is the environment. Today I'm speaking with Eric Hoare and our subject is what does the Bible mean to subdue the earth back there in Genesis? Uh, tomorrow, uh, what does the Bible say about natural disasters? Are they just all a cause of climate change? 
then we ask, could vegetarianism benefit the environment? Now, there is an interesting one. That's a much-discussed uh, discussed question. Uh, next week, uh, we look at even more relevant questions. Is there danger in worshipping the creator the creation rather than the creator. Now, that's a really significant one because so much of the current environmental ethos is based around separating the two or ignoring one altogether. And then, of course, there's the question, uh, why won't green political solutions work? And we want to suggest to you that... uh, Political, green political solutions are not going to work for one very good reason. Uh, but we're going to be in for an exciting uh, two weeks. How does one practically care for the environment? Now that really is the summation of our, uh, of our study today. Uh, our understanding about the environment has actually changed so much over the past few years. You know, I, I remember Eric as a, as a 10 year old, uh, I was, uh, I went out on a, on a youth club, uh, excursion and I can well remember being taught wilderness living. Now this was a, uh, this was an honor or a, uh, this was a, a an award that, that I could receive. And so I did study to wilderness living. In those days, I well remember being taught about burn back Ash and berry. That was the order of the day. You took cans into uh, into the bush, and uh, when you'd finished with your baked beans, you didn't cart them out, cart the can out with you. Uh, what you did was you uh, burnt the cans to as much as you can in the fire. Then you bashed and uh, with a, a a rock until they were flat, and then you buried them in the ground. You know, Eric, I don't know how many of my cans. <laughs> uh, there were dozens of cans that I certainly burned, bashed, and buried. But that was how how we did things in those days. Today, of course, we only take photos and we leave no trace. And that's the theme for today. And it's probably a better uh, alternative to that which I was certainly taught as a 10-year-old all those years ago. Now, today, we're talking about subduing the earth. Now, sometimes Christians, and certainly Bible believers, have been criticised because of uh, their understanding of of Genesis 1, particularly verse 28 there, where it it talks about um, subduing the earth. Now, Eric, just bring this you know, dig into this for us. What does it actually mean in Genesis one twenty eight when you you hear this passage um, subdued? In fact, maybe you'd like to read it for us before we before we start. Yeah, well, Genesis one twenty eight says, <clears throat> "Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply." Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, when you look at this verse here in Genesis, the creation book, right at the beginning of the Bible, there's a beautiful scene here of what God has done. Every day he created something and sat back and said that it was good, very good. Now, for God to say something like that, it must have been exceptional the way the earth was all set out. You know, to me, as I was reading this uh, through the week, I thought, you know, we need to slow down. But when you look at this picture, it kind of brings you a peaceful thing about what earth was actually like compared yeah. to what we have yeah. today. It must have been so absolutely beautiful and so much at 
peace when man and woman came into the scene. It must have been, you know, it was like heaven, you know, like it is heaven. And uh, it was just so peaceful and quiet. And you could just imagine that compared to the rumpus and the way the world is going today. So this is a a beautiful setting. And then it comes to forming man. In fact, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God he created, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it Mm. and domain. So what is it? that's subdued and what is the dominion what does that actually mean they're important questions aren't they because so often i've actually read articles that have been written uh, by non non uh, christian christian people who have said this is actually a a real problem because it's the bible actually teaching uh, generations of people to have dominion to rule over uh, the the earth and that has been the re- the result has been damage to our planet. Well, when you look at the original text here, before sin happened, mm. um, it has a different connotation, the rule, because when you think of it, there is no self-interest here for mankind. Yeah, There's nothing. This is the way God set it up. So when you look at it that way, um, to me, this dominion and rule, to have authority and to rule over, means that you treat it with respect. Mm-hmm. You treat it in a way that God has set it out. Not to change the way things God set things out, but to keep it the way he has done. In other words, uh, the, the main thing is that when you have dominion or rule over something, you've got to know your subjects. Like if a king ruled over his, his crown, to be a good king, he has to know the people within his kingdom. Mm. He has to know their needs. And I think that this is a different meaning to after the fall, because what happened after the fall, as we'll read on, is there is a different connotation to meaning to, to, to rule over or to, to uh, control uh, mm. to gain because it's not self-interest in other words what you get is after the fall of humanity and I like that term that you've used self-interest starts to kick in and whereas a dominion I I suppose before the fall I can look at this as very much a, a good father and a good mother good parents uh, have been given biblically dominion over their Children, but that does, that is not to be an abusive uh, type dominion. That is not to be a, uh, a damaging type. That is to be a, a mentoring type relationship. And to me, as I, as I look at that, I say, hey, you know, there is something there that I think that relationship does say to us. And yet I'm so conscious that after sin, you get something starting to take place. You get this thing called selfishness starts to uh, starts to kick in to the entire human psyche, and uh, a change does actually start to start to take place. And uh, and with it, of course, I want to actually put myself first. Um, so, Eric, I'm probably taking your um uh your your role. Help us out some more. Well, when sin came in, you know, God suffered greatly at that time because uh, in three Genesis 3.21, uh, when um, Adam and Eve fell and uh, was tempted into eating from the tree of good and evil, 
Uh, verse 21 says, Also for an Adam and Eve, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So here we see death coming in and God himself uh, provided a skin for them to clothe themselves in. So a dramatic change takes place because the animals were made uh, to live together with Adam and Eve and not fear. And this yeah. is the big thing. There was no fear at that time yeah. uh, with the animals. Now, I, I have animals at home, and um, I've had dogs in the past and things. And the things you notice of, dogs know when people like you, and they know if you don't like you. Do, and some of them take to people and, and others get frightened of others. But the thing is, there was no fear. There was no worry about being hurt. Yeah. And uh, and with the plant life, you know, it wasn't being destroyed unnecessarily uh, for the sake of, of the good of man. Because what has been shown is that when they've done research into the way the earth is going with the trees that are being taken down and the rainforests and things, that it is for the self-interest of man that this is what it's been done for. Yeah. And nothing yeah. to do with the animals, nothing else at all, but it's for the yeah. self-centre of man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, we're going to come to this in just a few, um, a few days time. But of mm. course, this is in fact one of the, one of the major, uh, issues with the whole environmental movement, uh, today because it actually fails uh, to account for uh, what a, a person's nature what humanity's nature is really like. Uh, you know, Eric, uh, I, I'm so conscious of that change that you did say uh, took place way back there at the very beginning from wanting to care for, suddenly there is a grasping after the things that are in uh, in our earth. And, you know, I, I, I think of the world in which we're living right now. I mean, there are so many practical examples of this. You know, you've got the rich poor divide you've got the rich poor rich countries you've got the poor countries you've got some countries uh, that have got more natural resources and they've been able to pillage the earth and certainly make themselves incredibly wealthy but within every every single country you not just have countries with rich poor divide but you also have individuals within every country, uh, no matter what the nationality, where some people are rich and some people are poor. And, uh, okay, uh, some of this uh, this um, has been uh, generated legitimately, but, you know, I'm so conscious that so much of wealth has actually resulted because of pillaging the earth. Yeah, that's correct. And I think that what we lost at the fall was actually the image of God. Because the image of God born in his image, uh, people say, well, that's the looking like him, you know. Yeah. But the image to me is the characteristics of what mm. God's all about. The, the, the power is through three, the Trinity. Mm. I mean, you, you had them all present at creation. You had the Holy Spirit, you had the Father, and you had the Son. Yeah. And with that, and those three together form an image yeah. of goodness. God came to the earth to save people. Uh, he didn't bring damaging things to people. He didn't bring hatred. Sin came about through the devil that we were talking about earlier that works through Halloween in a way mm. to promote what he is doing in, in imagery. So here we lost the image of the characteristic of God. We then changed into self-interest and gain for mankind. And from that moment on, we started to destroy the planet. Okay. So on. in other words, what you're saying is that it's actually... Uh, the impact of sin working through humanity 
that has actually impacted everything that we see around us. Well, David um, said in Psalm 8, 6, he said, You made mankind rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. You know, we were given the um, order of looking after what God had created. Mm. But then when sin came in, there was a shift here, a shift where um, when... uh, when they took of the fruit that they ate. And in fact, he said they had to throw them out of the garden unless they took the fruit from the tree of life, which meant they would live forever, which would mean we'd have that sin forever, that that change in in cruelty that's happened here because animals had to die from then on. The the original diet, of course, and you're going to talk about it uh, during the week, was the the berries and and the plants and and things. A vegetarian diet. A vegetarian diet. But then he said, I will give you food to eat after this and after the flood as a sacrifice, but you will be given food to eat now. And so the animals fear. Um, but it's un- interesting when I studied this too, Pastor Gary, that there are many things that happen. The devastation around the world, the the, the uh, polluted waterways, there's things you'll probably talk about later about what's happening around the world. That, that in the, as it, it suddenly popped up during the week that the Aboriginal people actually look after their land far better than than many others. For instance, they uh, they use a lot of the plants for their own medication, and they grow them and tend to them. They uh, they they have little um, uh, fire burnouts that that take away uh, fire danger because they they look after what's on the ground. And when they they do have to kill animals to eat, it is only for them to eat, not a sport. Like mm-hmm. in some countries, you go on a safari and yeah. you get a trophy to put. Yeah, on the wall. Yeah, yeah. And so it's found that when the lamb was actually under their control, it actually was it feared better for the natural plantation. Yeah. Uh, because of that, which is very interesting. And so we see at this fall here that there was a, a real shift uh, and that um, man started to do things for their own good and to neglect what God really set up in the very beginning. Uh, and later on, when the earth is made new, we will see a restoring of that. In other words, subject. what God, God actually did at the very beginning was establish systems that allowed the church to, uh, the church allowed the, the earth to regenerate. Uh, itself mm-hmm. to be self uh, healing to be self fulfilling to be able to provide and man was actually to guide and direct and mentor the the earth and to be able to lead even with kindness the the animal Population. He's he is the the manager. You know, sometimes in in scripture, there's a word entitled uh, uh, a steward. A steward. Uh, it's an older word uh, that means I'm going to be a manager uh, for the big boss. The big mm. boss, of course, is is God Himself, and you know we are under Him. That's our that's our position. But He's given to us uh, this beautiful role of stewardship, and we talked about this this particular issue uh, yesterday. And to me, that's a beautiful uh, role. Um, but then. Something has happened. Yep. You know? yeah. It's interesting too. Um, something that's beautiful with all that too is Genesis two fifteen says, "And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, to keep it in the right fashion." But then Numbers twenty five thirty three interests me. It said, "So you shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed thereby." 
but by the blood of him that shed it. It's interesting that back in those days they had refuge cities. So if you did something by accident and you had an accident and you killed somebody, uh, there was often like the Aboriginals had payback for different things. Um, you know, this was a place of refuge where you would go in. If you shed somebody's blood, whether you killed somebody or whatever, whatever happened, then you actually... Uh, these verses said you actually had to leave the land because mm. you were evil. You were considered evil. You actually had to get off the land because mm. uh, it says you shouldn't spill blood on the land. So this is keeping the land in a in a pure way. I don't know about you, Gary, but um, I actually love gardening. I love pulling mm. out the weeds. Mm. Trouble is when you turn around, there's one just next to you again almost. Mm. But I love getting out there. To me, it is a calmness and a thing where I can actually just sit, just stay there and, and think my thoughts and do the gardening. But God has given us our little patch to tend and to look after. Each Christian yeah. has their little patch, you know. And often, I shouldn't say this on the radio maybe, but sometimes you can see sometimes when a place is rented, not actually owned by a person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there are many good renters out there that do it. But oh, sometimes it's not. And the thing is, God has given us the land to tend and to look. And unfortunately, um, it's showing that we are we're disastrously hidden. The, the world is overpopulating. Uh, the rainforests are going. All these things are happening because of self-interest and by gain. And, okay. and you, you, mankind never has enough. That's the problem. And that's something that even legislation can't actually fix. There's mm. something about the human heart that is actually incredibly problematical for this whole discussion about the environment. But, Eric, look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, uh, Salah, and the song is uh, You Are... Uh, my hiding place. This is such a, a beautiful, this is such a powerful uh, song. Uh, please enjoy Salah. You are my hiding place.
Salah, you are my hiding place. How true uh, are those uh, are those words? Uh, now, folks, don't forget. Uh, please, our giveaway book, our free book today, is the book uh, "When Your Ho- When Your World Falls Apart." This is by Russell Burrell. Uh, now, this is a really beaut uh, beaut book. Uh, this is uh, directly answering so many of the questions that uh, that people have got concerning the world that we're living in right now. Look, if you'd like a copy of uh, When Your World Falls Apart, all you need to do is to text us here at the studio. Uh, our number is 04888-80811. Now, that number again is 04888 Eight zero eight eleven, and just when you in your text, just text us the code SA two three, just in one uh, string of uh, letters SA two three. Our uh, robot is not a super smart uh, robot, and he can't identify if you put gaps in there. He can't identify what we are actually talking about. So SA two three, and uh, he'll contact you uh, directly by text messaging and uh, get some information off you, so we can send this book to you in the fastest possible way. And now. You you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now this week uh, and also next week uh, we're looking at the Bible, the church and the environment. Uh, and today uh, we're asking uh, the question, what does the Bible mean? by subdue uh, the earth. Uh, Eric, um, let's bring it all together. We've got just a few minutes remaining. Yeah, I'd like to just to share before we talk about Revelation eleven eighteen. 18. Uh, Job 12, 7 to 10 is, is a lovely uh, verses here. It says, uh, But ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. I like that because we can learn a lot from animals yeah, when you see the yeah, way in the track. Yeah, yeah. But we have come to the stage when we talked about uh, sin and what happened. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, even if we go into the book of Proverbs, you uh, you find Solomon continually talking about, you know, consider the ant, you know, consider mm. the, you know, the badger. Consider, and you've got this list of animals that... Uh, that uh, Solomon draws lessons from. These animals are able to teach us lessons as to how we are to live life. And uh, one of the most important lessons is the way they depend on each other. They work together. Uh, you know, there is, uh, uh, there's, uh, um, there's a desire to, uh, to come together in a, in a unity. You get, uh, get fish in, uh, in schools. And, uh, there's certainly the impact of sin though, even in the animal kingdom. And that to me 
is the horrendous result of man's uh, sinful action at the very beginning. That's right. And we've got a point in Earth's history now with Revelation eleven eighteen, where it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give a reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And I think uh, never in Earth's history, the last number of years, have we seen the fact that uh, the humanity can destroy the earth with atomic yeah, bombs yeah, and things, yeah, you know. Yeah. We live in that time now that's gone from the way God set things up to what it's talking about here, that we can actually destroy one another. And I, I, I think that's an amazing lesson here for us because, you know, here God cares for his own environment that he has created to such an extent that he says that at the end, at the time of the the judgment, he will finally destroy those who are actually destroying uh, the earth. You know, to me, Eric, that actually is a a huge challenge uh, for people like like you and me. I mean, we don't have the, you know, the big polluting capability. uh, And yet, you know, in each of our lives, we have ways that we can actually support uh, the earth. You know, mm. it's very easy to uh, uh, to acclimatize yourself to, um, uh, to 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 not caring a great deal for the environment that we live in. But to me, as I as I look at what is actually presented in the Word of God, uh, it's saying to me, "Hey, God actually wants me as a steward, as His steward, as His manager, to care." for all that's actually taking place here on the earth, to care for that area for which I have got responsibility. And, you know, the responsibility on all humanity is to, to you know, look and see what we're doing with the summit that's coming up as well, which are looking at these questions. But to me, the Christian uh, has a great responsibility to look after, knowing that God is the creator. Uh, if you believe that the world just came with a bang and you don't believe in God, uh, then really it doesn't really matter what happens to the earth, really. But when you know it's been created by the creator, the, the God that we love, the one that has changed us, us and keeps changing us, the one who has all that power, then we should really care about what's going on. But I like the end to end this tonight. I, I really like Isaiah 11 6 to go back to what mm. the Garden of Eden was this like. This is beautiful. And uh, Isaiah 11 6 says, the, the wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goats. The calf and the young lion and fatling will be together, and a little child will lead them. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with a goat. I think that's beautiful. And the little child will lead them. This is complete contrast to what it says in Revelation. This about is a what picture that's being painted, of course, of the of the newly recreated earth. Because yeah. you know, to me, one of the th- one of the most uh, wonderful things in Scripture is you get this picture of a uh, of a saviour, a Christ who's going to come a second time. Yes. And when he comes, you get this picture of him recreating. After the judgment, recreating this uh, this world in its original beauty, and we will all be changed. 
all of us will be changed. This corruptible will put on incorruption. Yep. This mortal will put on immortality. No more evil desires. No more gaining for ourselves. It'll be looking out for one another. And there'll be complete peace and harmony, even with the animals. It will go back to what was originally created by God. And sin cannot live in that place, unfortunately. There's, there'll be those that have uh, not given their hearts to Christ. In other words, you take sin out of the equation and suddenly the environment comes together again. That's right. And we see by the the actions of all the animals as well, there'll be no more fear amongst them. You know, the, the plants will, it says there that we're going to plant grapevines and things and, yeah. and do all that. One, there'll be no diseases. Yeah. Uh, there'll yeah. be no more death yeah. or suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a total, complete opposite to what the sin has caused that at the end of the day, we can destroy the earth. But Christ is going to come back before that ever happens. We don't need to worry about a nuclear bomb going off for wars between countries ruining the, the whole earth, Jesus will come and set up his kingdom, as talked about. And this is too. so different to the environmental, uh, current political, politicized environmental movement, which is planning for the earth to go on in for generations and generations and generations and generations, whereas the scriptures turn around and say, no, um, that's not how the earth is actually going to, going to finish. It's going to actually come to a climax when Jesus Christ uh, comes to this earth and he is the one that's actually going to recreate this world. He's going to reestablish the systems that he created way back Back at the very beginning and then as a result we have got the perfect environment uh, once again. And because we have sin in ourselves now, we have sin now, we will come back into God's image. Yeah. We'll be changed back into his image again. We will have the whole characteristics of God, be no sin there at all. Yeah, beautiful. what a beautiful thought. Eric, mm-hmm. look, how would you like to pray for us just sure. as we conclude today? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, for God the Father, and for Jesus the Son. Lord, we thank you for creation. We thank you for this world in which we live. We thank you for what you have given us. But most of all, Lord, you give us life, and you give it abundantly. We pray, Lord, that we'll keep on changing the more we stay in close contact with you. That we'll look after the environment too, Lord, and reflect to others your character. We will show the image of God to all that we see. Forgive us, Lord, for we're all sinners. And may we, Lord, continue to have time to spend time in reading your Bible and praying with you and knowing you more and more. Just bless the listeners today, Lord, each one. Bless their families, their homes. May we all stay strong until you come again. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for that, Eric. Really appreciate that. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor David Butcher uh, join, joins with me and we'll be asking, what does the Bible say about natural disasters? Really look forward uh, to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may our God richly bless you this program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio